bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. We feeling blessed? Hey, um, talking about being blessed, uh, this week I had the opportunity to take my family um, to find some snow to do some tobogganing. And uh, I'm not a winter person at all. I don't like the cold. I'm not made for the cold. I'm a summer person. Anybody like that here? Not like the Pete with the, the winter people. They're the, the emo depressed people. But uh, us summer people, nah, <laughs> Went to the snow and uh, I was walking, um, to, uh, Ollie had had enough, our five-year-old had enough, so I thought I'd walking back to the car and there was like a hill that was probably about this high from the, the ground and it had like a little steep embankment and so I'm walking him down and I thought, I'm going to slip, so I'm just going to run. Do you know that, that, that momentum will get you down type of thing? And so I've decided to run and as soon as I've gone to run, I've just slipped straight, feet have gone in the air. I've landed flat on my back and I've gone, I'm not going to be able to walk again. I started wiggling my fingers. Yeah, like I could wiggle my fingers. I was going to be okay. But when this happened, my son was just laughing at me. I was dying in pain and my son was laughing at me. And I thought, this is just the picture. I'm just so blessed right now. Like, I, I can't believe how blessed I am that I've fallen over and my kids are laughing at me. But hey, it's all good anyway. But hey, let's just pray before we get into the Word. God, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have today to gather and to hear your word, I just pray you would speak to us today. Lord, let my words fall to the ground and let your Holy Spirit minister to people. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. You got your Bible, Proverbs 13, verse 22. We're talking about bless this house. And um, you know what the good news is, is that God is blessing you and wants to bless you. I think sometimes we think that God is a God that, you know, he's the one that's the angry guy that's pointing the finger that wants to strike us with lightning bolts. Can I tell you something? That's, that's so far from the truth. Our God is a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a God that wants to bless us. And he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in, in the heavenly realms. But what you've got to understand, when we give our life to Jesus, we're saved, we are blessed. But then we've got the word of God as we apply it to our life. It positions us to receive a reward and a blessing that God has for us. Do you understand that? The Word of God is just not there to go, yeah, that's a good book. No, the Word of God is our pathway. It's what lights our way. As we apply the principles of Scripture to our life, we position ourselves to receive what God has for us. You see, when it comes to my children, when I go and ask them to tidy their room, and I go to their room and it's not tidy, do I go to my children, well, I mean, I'm going to bless you so much. You've got a great reward right now. I, I don't bless the mess. I bless and reward the obedience. And I think it's the same when it comes to our God. He's given us a pathway as we take steps of obedience, as we position ourselves in alignment with the Word of God, we receive the blessing that God has for us. And uh, I don't think, and I don't believe you can't buy a blessing, but you can position yourself for blessing. And as we follow the Word of God and apply it to our life, we receive all that God has in store for us. You know, in Matthew 5, there's, it's Jesus preaching to a group of people and he's preaching on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, they're statements of blessing. 
or conditions of blessing. He's saying, if you do this, you'll receive this. And this whole series that we're going to be going through, Bless This House, is about how can we apply those principles to our life so that we can receive the blessing for our life, but not just for us, pass it on to our children's children. Um, So we've been going through, last week Mel spoke about blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I want to encourage you, if you didn't hear last week's message, go back and listen to it on the website. Come on the journey with us. Um, But today I'm going to start a new one. But before we get to it, I just want to read us a scripture in Proverbs 13, 22. And it says this, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Now when we think of inheritance, what do we think of straight away? Mum and dad's house. Maybe the money that they have is going to be one day passed on to us. But can I tell you something? Let's give um, assets, whatever it is. That's a given. We should set the generations up for a win that way. But I believe the most precious or priceless thing that we can leave as an inheritance to our children's children is a healthy culture. A healthy culture. One that teaches them how to make right and wise decisions that set them up to receive the blessing of God. Now, I don't know if you've heard of these statements before, but there's people say there's generational curses and generational blessings. I believe what a generational curse is and what a generational blessing is, is it's mindsets. Well, you've got a generational curse where it's the grandparents lived in, uh, depended on welfare, the parents lived on welfare, and now the children are living on welfare. And there's this continual mindset of poverty of always living for a handout that gets passed on Beyond generation, uh, from generation to generation. But what you've got to understand is that everybody has the power to make their own decisions to change the legacy of a family. So once there may have been a poverty mindset that flowed through the family, but now I have a choice to say, am I going to let that flow or am I going to let the blessing flow? And it's all about positioning ourselves and making a decision to set the generations up and ourselves up to receive all that God has in store for us. And I'm thankful in my life that people that have gone before me have made decisions that I get to walk in the blessing of now. And I've still got to make decisions in my lifetime to be able to receive that and continue it on as well. But let's make sure we've got that mindset. Man, bless this house from now on. If it hasn't been blessed, I'm making a decision to start making decisions that are going to set us up for a blessing in Jesus' name. And I'm thankful and grateful for the Word of God that shows us how we can change mindsets, how we can make decisions that set us up. And this Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, there's powerful principles through them all. We're only going to go through four in this series, but I want to encourage you, go through, read them. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and how you can apply them to your life. But Matthew 5, 8 is the one we're going to pick up today. And it says this, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. I don't know about you, but I want to continue to see God working in my life, in my family's life, my children's life, in our church's life. And how does it happen? By people that choose to have a pure heart. Bless those who have pure hearts, for they will see God. Now, has anybody here ever had anything stolen or ever been broken into in any type of way? Give us a wave, any people. It's not very nice, is it? When something gets stolen from you or you get uh, broken into, what it does is it causes you next time to put measures in place so it can't happen again. So if something got stolen, you make sure it's locked away. 
if it's your house got broken into, you put an alarm system in because you want to protect what's yours. Is that right? What we've got to understand when it comes to the purity in our own life and in our family's life, we've got to put measures in place to protect our family, to set them up so they continue to have pure hearts so they can see God move in their life. We've got a world that wants to steal purity, that wants to murky the waters. But if we've got people that are full of faith, that have hearts surrendered to Jesus, they can make choices that chooses to set their family up in a way that's of a pure heart and they will see God move in their life. Now, I'm not trying to get legalistic here because legalism is rules about relationship. And uh, you know what? If rules worked and law worked, you wouldn't have needed Jesus. Do you understand that? We needed Jesus because the law was like, we can't do this. We need Jesus, one that we have relationship with that can help us. So I don't want us to think of this in a legalistic sense. I want us to understand when it comes to having a pure heart, the only way we can have a pure heart is if we surrender our heart to Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can forgive our sins. He's the only one that can make us clean. And we've got to understand that. Sure, we can do things and position ourselves right, but it's about positioning our heart in the right place so we can receive the fruit that God wants to bring into our way, the outworking of that. But it's about having an inward choice of a heart surrendered to God, God being the center of it all. Now, have anyone, has anyone ever heard of this statement, just trust your heart? Now, I think if we took that statement um, exactly as it's said, it's not a, a wise thing to do. Because my heart sometimes is telling me to do some things that aren't right. And if I was to follow my heart, and I think if we all followed our heart, the world wouldn't be a very good place. Because our hearts can, can confuse us at times. Let me put it this way. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Our heart is beyond cure. It's deceitful. It confuses us. We get passionate about things that we shouldn't be passionate about. It's a constant battle between doing what our flesh is desiring and what the Spirit of God is leading us to do. It says, who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct. So as people, we can't, be, we can't trust our heart because it can lead us down the wrong path. What we've got to learn to do is to trust Jesus with our heart. Do you understand the two different pathways there? My heart's going, well, I'm going to do this because it's what I feel is right to do versus my heart could be telling me to do something, but the Word of God is telling me to do something else. I need to surrender my heart to Jesus. My heart will say, don't forgive, take revenge. But the Word of God will say, don't take revenge and forgive. See, what we've got to learn is our heart can lead us down paths that we don't want to go down. We've got to keep having a pure heart which is surrendered to Jesus Christ. You see, many times we can deceive ourselves by thinking that we're living in the light but really our eyes have become adjusted in the darkness. Our eyes have become, I mean, our eyes have adjusted to the darkness. You see, what happens at times in, in people's lives is we can make a decision that we know is not right and we step out of the light, which is the Word of God, into following our own passions and desires, whatever it may be, and we step into darkness. And we may feel bad for doing that, 
But as we keep making that choice, we desensitize ourselves and we don't feel bad anymore and our eyes become adjusted to the darkness. That is a very dangerous place for a Christian to be, a desensitized Christian. It's almost like they've got a mouth full of scripture, but a heart full of hate. It's very dangerous. And so what we've got to realize, we've got to keep checking ourselves, making sure that we haven't just become adjusted to, to, to the darkness, but we're living in the light. Ephesians 4 verse 18 and 19 says this, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Man, it's, 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 it's a scary place to be. People get confused in that, say, oh, but I'm following Jesus. But you're not. You're, you're not positioning yourself. You may have said a prayer, but your life isn't lining up. It's not standing in the light. And it's about, it's, it's about being ignorant. Your heart has become hard. But we've got to allow God to do a work in our life. And, uh, and, and today as I'm preaching this word of God, I'm not here to offend anybody. But sometimes the word of God does. And if it does offend you, maybe there's some areas in your life that aren't right. Don't get angry and just stay where you are. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how can you take steps to position yourself in the right place where God wants you to be. Not having eyes adjusted to the darkness, but walking in the light. Now, when it comes to our children, if you've got kids, let's just say there was a certain uh, river that was crocodile infested. And you knew that if anybody was jumping in that water within a couple of seconds, this, a crocodile would eat you. Would you just go to your children, hey, go for a swim? If you don't like them, maybe you would do that. But, uh, but ultimately, we love our kids, so we want to protect them physically so we wouldn't put them in an environment where they could be hurt. Is that right? Or we've got a baby, we wouldn't be giving them poison and just going, that's all right, it will give you hairs on your chest, whatever it may be. We wouldn't do that because we want to protect them physically. See, what we've got to understand, just as much as we want to protect our children, we're talking about bless this house, just like we want to protect our children physically, we've got to learn to protect them morally putting boundaries putting things in place like for example if you send your kids you, you, you shouldn't just send your kids to um, hang out with people that you don't know are they friends that are going to push them to jesus or are they going to pull them away from jesus make sure you know who they're hanging out with know who their friends are just don't give them an ipad with unlimited access to the internet and just say just just search whatever you want you don't know what websites they're going to come across you've got to make sure we're putting Boundaries, things in place that protect them morally. When it comes to giving them money to, to buy things or go to the movies or music, buy music. Just don't go, well, yep, just go whatever movie you want to watch or buy whatever music you want to list. Know what they're spending their money, know what they're investing into. Is it something that's going to bring purity into their life or is it going to bring impurity in? See, music is so powerful. Music's the only thing that can bypass your brain and go straight to your heart. Have you noticed? You can be listening to me. You can be... You can be listening to music and your heart can be moved, but you don't even understand what's going on. Have you ever experienced that? Like, who knows classical Who knows any good classical music? No, there isn't any, is there? That's right. Anyway. We've got to learn that this, this, this battle that we're fighting against is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And the enemy wants to come in and bring impurity little bit of disobedience, just once, just this time, into the family, 
that eventually will take over and pull you away. But if we want to set our families up for blessing, and I'm talking about family, this applies to any area of our life, business, workplace, whatever it may be. We've got to make decisions that saying we're choosing to be pure-hearted. Not just, because I think what it is, is there's this, to me it's like the word Christian doesn't mean what I think it means to other people. Christian to some people is just, I'm not anything else, I'm a Christian. Doesn't mean that they're living for God, that their heart's surrendered to Christ. It's almost like Christian, the word Christian's lost its power. So I like to go away from the word Christian now to more the word Christ-centered. I'm not going to be just a Christian family. I'm going to be a Christ-centered family. Jesus isn't just part of our life. He is our life. He's the center. He's the source. He's the one that we build our life upon. And that's probably what the, the powerful point that we're pushing through this whole series. It's about being Christ-centered. Psalms 119 verse 9 and 10 says this, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. How can we stay pure? By living according to God's word, walking in the light, seeking him with all of our hearts. Let's personalize this scripture. You know, when we read the word of God, we've got to put ourselves in there sometimes to make it more powerful to us. So let me change the word young to family and I to we will. It says this, how can a family stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. We will seek you with all of our hearts. Do not let us stray from your commands. How can we live, have uh, families that are pure, that are surrendered to God? By the family seeking him, living according to his word, and having that attitude of God, don't let us stray from your commands. Some people think, well, what does it matter? I can just do whatever I want. It'll all work out in the end. Can I tell you something? You cannot build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. You can't receive the blessing if you're not willing to apply the principles to your life. And we've got to learn to apply, uh, to get the foundation right so that we can receive all that God has in store for us. I want to give us three things today on how we can build a culture of purity in our life that affects the generations to come. Because let's remember that. Our decisions that we make just don't affect us, but they affect those coming behind us. The first thing we've got to understand when it comes to living a life of purity, creating a culture of purity, is it starts with me. For me and my family, if I want our family to seek God, to apply the word of God to their life, to be a, a family that's pure, it starts with me. I'm the parent. I choose the culture in my family, in my household. When it comes to your life, you might go, I haven't got a family, it's just me. Well, you choose the culture of your life. You have the opportunity to do that. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, which means my spirit, my responsibility. My heart, my responsibility. We live in a society where we want to blame everybody for the reasons why we are the way that we are. And you know what? It feels good when we do that. Because it's projecting, the, it's getting the, the, the attention of us and putting on others. I'm like this because of somebody else. But can I tell you something? If you're going to live your life like a victim, you're going to reap the reward of that. 
But if you can choose to say, you know what, it starts with me. I'm going to make a decision today. You can make choices that set yourself up for a better tomorrow. Come on, your heart, your responsibility. I'm responsible for my family. I'm responsible for me. And as we do that, we can see something. We can position our families so that they can see God at work in our life. Let me make this really practical. It starts with me, living a life of purity. Now, when Toby was four, I think he was four years old, I'd take him on the train and it was free. Children were free to go on the train. As soon as he turned five and you go to get on the train, there was a price attached to that. I think it was like $3. And I remember the first time having to buy a ticket for Toby when I've heard this, this news about having to pay for him now. I thought to myself, he hasn't got any ID. He looks four years old. No one will know that he's not the right age. And I remember as soon as I thought that, I had to check in my spirit and said, are you willing to sell your character for $3? You know, am I willing to show my kids an example of letting a little bit of impurity come into our family? Because we've got to do the right thing. We've got to pay the cost. If it's a fair that's got to be paid for, we pay for it. If you don't want to pay for it, well, don't go. And I think we've got to understand it starts with us. I could have made a decision then, and I've made wrong decisions, don't get me wrong. But I could have made a wrong decision that set him up to say it's okay because no one will know. But he will know. God knows. So let's make sure that remembering that when it comes to purity, it starts with us and it starts with the little things as well as the big things. If you get it wrong, what do you do? You go fix, you go fix it. When later on you realize, oh, I did the wrong thing, go to your kids. Hey, that was wrong. We shouldn't have done that. Let's repent. Let's right that wrong and let's fix it. Just don't go, well, no, it doesn't matter. No, we're people that we want to position our families for blessing. So we want to have pure hearts so we can see God. We want to do it God's way. Do it God's way. Because Proverbs 4.14 says, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the ways of the evildoer. That's pretty straightforward and, and pretty easy to understand, isn't it? Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the ways of the evildoers. Come when it starts with us, we've got to keep checking, checking ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but as we go through life, it's sort of like when you're driving your car. You, you, when you first get it, it drives straight, then it takes a couple of hits, and now suddenly it's pulling to the left all the time. It's like with our life, when we're following Jesus, we can be on the straight path, but then some temptation or some situations happen. Now we're tempted to deviate to the left. We've got to continually check ourselves, and there's things that aren't right bring alignment to our life. 2 Corinthians 13.5 in the Message Translation says this, Test yourself to make sure you are solid in your faith. Don't drift, al um, don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. If we look at our life and we've allowed impurity or things that aren't of God to come into our life, and we've tested ourselves, realized that's not right, do something about it. Don't sit there and go, well, that's just the way it is. No, we test ourselves and we, we realize that our life isn't lining up with the Word of God. We've got to bring adjustment. That's how we set the generations up and ourselves up to receive all that God has. So we've got to remember it starts with me. The second thing is this, deal with the heart. Deal with the heart. Most of us are really good at dealing with the action. 
But we've got to go deeper and deal with the heart. Now, when I mow my lawn, I'll do the whippersnipping. And sometimes there'll be, there'll be little weeds that grow between the concrete, which they, I don't want them there. So I'll hit them with the whippersnipper. What happens? It feels like even the next day it feels like, but it's probably a week later, that same weed's back again. Because I just dealt with the fruit, I didn't deal with the root of the issue. But if I go and I pull that root out, if I poison that ground, that's not coming back. And that's what we've got to realize when it comes to impurity, deal with the heart, not just the action. That's the way that Jesus dealt with people. Matthew 5, 27 and 28, he says this, Have you heard that it is said, you shall not commit adultery? The action. But he says this, but I tell you that anyone who even looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery within, uh, with her in his heart. What's he doing? He's speaking into the heart issue. He's saying you've got to get rid of the, the, the impurities in the heart because if you don't get rid of the impurities in the heart, it's going to eventually become a fruit of your life. Deal with the heart issue. When it comes to children, sometimes my kids can be absolutely crazy. Maniacs, acting like their mother. <laughs> Just want to make sure you're with me there. You are. <clears throat> and I can get and I can discipline their behavior. How dare you speak like that and put them to their room? But you know what? They're going to do it again. I've got to deal with the heart issue. See, what it is is kids think that they're the boss. They think that they're in control. But they need to understand that under my roof, I'm in control I'm the anointed head of the house and I decide the culture of this house and I decide how we're going to position ourselves to receive the blessing of God. So I have to speak into my kids' life, say, hey, you're not the boss. I'm the boss. One day when you grow up and you have your own family, your own house, you can make your own decisions. But while you're here, I'm in charge. I've got to speak to the heart issue. You see, many times people think, well, I don't want to do that. My kids are my friends. Your kids are not your friends. You're friendly. You're their parent. You're anointed of God. You're called to position them to receive the blessing of God. Do your job. Step into your anointing and realize just because they get angry at you doesn't mean it's the end of the world. I'd rather them be angry with me and th later on in life, thank me. Then later on, I'm, I didn't correct them and I'm chasing them around here, there and everywhere, stressed out because they're making bad decisions. remember it starts with me we've got to deal with the heart and the last is this don't settle for impurity don't settle for unrighteousness don't settle for things that aren't of God not even a little bit not even just once this, one, this, this, this time I won't do it again after this don't even say things like that it's God's way or no way if we get it wrong we repent and we come back but don't settle for impurity Ephesians 5 verse 3 says this, But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Impurity is improper for God's holy people. We're not called to live that way. We don't want the, we don't want the wages of that, of sin. Purity, it's the goal. Purity is the goal. A heart totally surrendered to God. Let me put it this way, then I'll bring it to a close. I heard a story about a, a young boy that wanted to watch a, a movie. He asked his mum if he could go watch this movie. And his mum did the research and realised that in this movie, there was a graphic 
sex scene. The rest of the movie was okay, but there was this one scene that just wasn't good. And so he told, she told her son, you can't watch this because there's this scene in there that you just don't need to see. The son goes, well, it's just a little bit. What does it matter? And so the, the, the mum, you know, wisdom goes, all right then. What I'm going to do, I'm going to make you some brownies. And if you eat these brownies I make you, you can go watch this movie. The son says, okay, I'll do that. So the mum gets into the kitchen. She starts cooking these brownies, putting all the ingredients in. And then she goes into the backyard with her spoon. And she sees that there's some dog poo in the backyard. And so she goes and she scoops up just a little bit of dog poo. Walks in, the son's watching her cooking and she just drops it into the cake mix. Mixes it in, mixes it all in, bakes the brownie, prepares the cake for the son, goes, here you go, eat it. He goes, I'm not eating that, there's poo in it. And the mum returns and says, well, it's just a little bit. See, what you've got to understand, just a little bit, mixes into everything and takes over. Come on, let's make sure we're positioning, setting ourselves up, not to let even a little bit of impurity sneak in. Come on, the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to make these decisions. I don't know about you, but I want to continue to see God moving in my family and in my life. What does it say? Those blessed are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. I want my children to see God at work in their life. I want the generations to, to see God moving in their life. I don't want to see a generation that rises up and doesn't know the blessing of God. Come on, it's up to us to continually make a decision to say, hey, as for me and my house, we are going to be living a life of purity that's positioned us for blessing. Come on, it's not too late. Oh, well, it's too late for me. I've got, my kids are older. Well, you know what? You've got grandchildren now. You've got other people that are in this house that need people to look up to. It's never too late. It's too late for me. Like, my heart's, it's, it's like a stone. It's gone. Let me give you some verses. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Come on, the God that, we're, that we serve, He's in the business of heart transplants. You may have had a heart of stone, but as you surrender it to God, He'll give you a heart of flesh. He will give you a new spirit. Come on, the God that we serve said that, what does He say that? We are a new creation. Psalms 51.10, creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Come on, it's never too late to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. Come, whatever you surrender to God, He can turn around and use it for good. Let's understand that we serve a supernatural God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for a few moments. I just want to give people an opportunity here today that your heart is not surrendered to God. I'm not asking if you attend a church or if you come from a Christian family. I'm asking, have you made a decision for your life, a personal decision to surrender your heart to Jesus, to experience forgiveness of sins, to experience a love and a grace that surpasses all understanding? Because today you have an opportunity to put your life, to surrender your life to Jesus, to say from this day forward, I'm choosing to be Christ-centered. From this day forward, I'm choosing to trust my heart to God. So if that's you here today for the first time, you need to give your heart to Jesus. I want you to lift your hand up after the count of three. It says in, the, in Scripture that we're saved by grace through faith. So 
So I'm asking today to put your faith in Jesus. If that's you at the count of three, lift your hand up. Or maybe you once made a decision, but you've walked away. You haven't had a checkup. I want to encourage you to this day to get it right. So if that's you all over this place, you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time or coming back to Him, the count of three, lift your hand up high. Don't put it off any longer. This is a decision that can change your life and the legacy of your life. You ready? One, two, three. All over this place, that's you. Lift your hand up high. See that hand there. Who's going to be next? I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm coming to Him, making Him number one. That's awesome. When you put your hand up, you can put it down. What I'm going to do right now, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. Those people that raise their hand, I want to encourage you to mean this from your heart. But as a church, let's say this together to encourage those people. It goes like this. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again. And I confess that I'm a sinner and I repent of that. Jesus, come into my life. Wash me clean. Be my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Come, let's rejoice of all of heaven. Those people come to know Jesus. Can we all stand up for a few moments? I just want to pray for you before I get Mel to come and give us final instructions. God, let us pray for every single person here. God, we know that you want to bless us. We thank you that you have given us the pathway to blessing. God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to make those decisions, remind us of those decisions, that we will be people that choose to have pure hearts by surrendering it to Jesus so that we can see God moving in our world, in our life, like never before. We just thank you, God, that you're a good God, that you're faithful, that you never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's working in our life. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, you're thankful for what God's doing. Let's give him one more hand of praise in Jesus' name.